Following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 31st, 2021. The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life, she can rest so easily. She knows everything you Because the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, what a beautiful day here in Sonoma County, and it looks like it's going to be 96 degrees. Wow, put your air conditioners on and your fans. <laughs> anyway, we have a great show uh, today. Joining me on the phone this morning will be Monique Aliera, who is the Chief of Staff at the National Office for the National Organization for Women, known as NOW. We also, you know, we do have a chapter here in Sonoma County, and I'm really excited that we're going to be hearing about her and hearing about NOW. NOW is the largest organization of feminist grassroots activists in the United States. Prior to joining NOW, uh, Monique also served as the Coalition's Director for the Biden-Harris Campaign in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Boy, she's got quite a resume. Also joining me on the phone will be Susan Lamont, a longtime peace and social activist who is currently affiliated with Sonoma County's Green Party, Police Brutality Coalition, and uh, Veterans for Peace. I can't believe it. Another year has passed, and she'll be talking about the celebration of young uh, Andy Lopez's birthday, who was shot and killed by law enforcement in Sonoma County in 2013. It's hard to believe that it's been eight years since this horrible issue happens, and it looks like killing of innocent people still lives on. Well, anyway, on Wednesday, June 2nd, uh, that's Andy Lopez's birthday, and every year we celebrate his life. And this year there will be a potluck at Andy's, U- Andy's Unity Park on West Robles and Moreland at 4 o'clock p.m. That's on June 2nd, and Susan Lamont will be talking about that. I can't believe it's eight years, and young Andy would have been 21 years old. Just amazing how time flies. And here we are at the last month, the last Monday of the month already, and we're going to be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge. Well, today is Memorial Day, and Memorial Day is an American holiday observed on the last Monday of May, which is today, May 31st, honoring the men and women who died while serving in the U.S. military. Memorial Day uh, 2021, like I said, will occur on Monday, May 31st, which is today. Uh, the holiday was originally known as Decor- uh, Decoration Day. It originated in the years following the Civil War. Following the Civil War. Can you believe how long we've been celebrating all these different wars and these war casualties? And became an official federal holiday in 1971. Many Americans observe Memorial Day by visiting cemeteries or memorials, holding family gatherings, and participating in parades. Unofficially, it marks the beginning of the summer season. And what's, all, what's also very interesting about Memorial Day, it seems like I was, I saw so many so many pictures of Arlington uh, Cemetery, and it's just amazing how many how many gravestones there are there. 
And just to let you folks know, I had two uncles who served in World War II, my Uncle Nathan and my Uncle Robert, uh, that's Nathan and Robert Dorfman, and of course, Ken's dad and uncle, Don and Jerry Norton, also served. And I'm not sure about the the Nortons, but I know definitely that my two uncles, the Dorfmans, they actually saw, uh, they also were in battle. I mean, very serious battle. In fact, I asked my uncle Nathan, I says, you know, tell me about the war. And he said, all I can tell you, any man who's been on the battlefield will never send his son. And trust me, he never would allow his son to go. You know, and it, and it was since, it, you know, and they were lucky that they came home. And when I looked at all the pictures of the graves at Arlington Cemetery and thought of the Republicans that are blocking a commission to find out what happened on January 9th, it just made me sick. And I bet most of them never even served. You know, this is a threat to our democracy. We had our capital was attacked. And the Republicans are denying an investigation? I mean, this does not make sense to me. It really does not. Especially when you look at all those graves, all those gravestones, and you know that these young people went to war dedicated to save our democracy, particularly during World War II. I mean, we were fighting fascism. We were joining England and other countries that were fighting fascism that was growing across the globe. You know, and here these people will deny, deny a commission to investigate this horrific action that took care, that took place at our capital. Well, that's kind of serious in, in its own way, but I just want to say to the families and friends who lost one uh, lost loved ones due to the war, my condolences, and also my condolences to those families who lost their, their sons and daughters in the war in the streets. And it's my prayer, it is my prayer that these lives were not given in vain, that somehow they're going to lead us to peace. But we have to recognize that we must not be afraid to look at truth. Because once there's an old saying, the truth will set you free. Once you see the truth of something, you can correct it. Or you can enhance it. If it's really good, you enhance it. If it's negative, you improve it. You know, there's just a lot to think about. You know, it's kind of, uh, kind of interesting. So happy Memorial Day to everybody. And this is the last day of May, May 31st. You know, June is coming up, and I just want everybody to mark their calendars. I'll be doing several announcements during the month that on June 19th, we're going to be celebrating the uh, 51st celebration of Juneteenth, a festival and celebration of diversity and inclusion. And, of course, it's going to be on June, on uh, Zoom, not on June. That rhymes, Zoom, Zoom, June. Anyway, uh, Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commencing the ending of slavery in the United States. And I will be telling more on the historical perspective. And as you know, on the second Monday of the month, we have Tina Rogers on, and she's going to give a full report on Juneteenth. Well, you know, oftentimes I like to... uh, do our history is our strength, and since we're doing a uh, interview with uh, Monique about now, I thought I would say happy birthday on May 31st to Sonia Pressman Fuentes. She's a now the National Organization for Women co-founder. She was the first woman attorney in the office of the General Counsel at the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission (EEOC). That is so interesting to me. And just let me just give you a little background of what the U.S. Employment Opportunity Commission is. It's a federal agency that was established 
via Civil Rights Act of 1964 to administer and enforce civil rights laws against workplace discrimination. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and just think, it happened in 1964. Amazing. That's the year my daughter was born. You know, that's been quite a while ago. And there have been more and more issues around trying to destroy equal opportunity than we could imagine. You know, we have to start looking at our country and what we're doing and what our values are. Very, very important. You know, here it is, Memorial Day, and we're honoring the fallen who were supposed to have died to bring peace and more prosperity to the world. And look at us. I mean, look, we're still warring. I mean, if we're not careful, we're going to blow ourselves out of the universe. I mean, it's just it's just a, a real fact, folks. You know, I'm going to become a great-grandmother for the second time. I am concerned. I am concerned of the future for our children. I am really concerned. But today is a beautiful day. We can celebrate it and we can talk it. We'll be talking to Susan Lamont about young Andy Lopez. And because this is the last Monday of the month, we do the Women's Spaces Pledge. So I'm going to ask Ken if he will join me. He joins me every month. Thank goodness I have him in the studio with me. Would you join me when we do the pledge, Ken? I sure will. Okay, so as you know, the Women's Spaces Pledge is something that I wrote for my grandson. And let me tell you something. I use it all the time. I just had a long conversation of it with a friend of mine who's going through a lot of different changes. And I says, you've got to read the pledge. You cannot let the outside world influence how you think about yourself. You know, we we play the theme song by Alec Dopkin, The Woman in Your Life is You. That's your inner self, your strength, your ability to move forward as a woman, as an individual. So we're going to do the pledge. Uh, Ken has it up on the screen for me. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate it. So I'm going to say it. Just listen to it. And then I'm going to read line by line and then repeat after me. If you're in the car, don't relax. Just keep driving. If you're at home, find yourself a comfortable chair and just kind of listen and kind of absorb it. I do the pledge five times before I come on the air. And now I'm going to do it another two times. I can't do it enough. I took, in fact, I took a workshop yesterday on Sunday on self-esteem and learning how to love yourself more. And I thought to myself, you know, no matter how hard you work, no matter how many times you say the pledge, you still have to remind yourself on a daily basis. You have to remind yourself. So I'm just going to say it very, very slowly. Just listen to it and then you repeat after me when I would give each line at a time. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. Now just take that in a little bit. And now I'm going to say each line, and then you repeat after me, and Ken is going to join me. My self-esteem, my self-esteem does, not depend does not depend on anything, on anything outside Outside of me. Of me. Wow. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Depends. Depends. On my relationship. On my relationship. With myself. With myself. And my higher power. And my higher power. Boy, doesn't that feel good, Ken? Let's, let's, yeah. say, let's say it together. One, two, three. My self-esteem self does, does not depend, depend on, on anything, anything outside, outside of me. me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. 
See, even men can say that. Wonderful. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Very important. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and my higher power. That means nobody other than yourself should be allowed to judge you. And you are okay. You know, we're all children of this great mystery, this great universe. We've all been created equally. We all, we all come in. We're all born the same way. And we all die the same way. We go, we come from the mystery and we go to the mystery. And in between, I wish we would learn to get along. Also, just to let you know that the Women's Spaces Pledge is on our website, www.womenspace.com. And also, if you make a donation to any of the stations that you're listening to that are running this show, uh, just email us and we will send you a card if you make a donation. And also, it's good to have the pledge, just to have it, to read it, put it in by your bathroom mirror, you know, something that you look at every day and remind yourself that your self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of you, that you don't have to adhere or give in to some of the judgments people uh, have on you. In fact, on our, on our second interview, I'm going to be talking to uh, to Monique from now, and we're going to. There's a little segment we're going to talk about is how women sometimes trash each other, and we have to be careful. We have to be esteeming all of us. We all have to be uplifting each other so we can do the work, so we can do the activism. Well. We're going to take a musical break. And I'll tell you, in light of all the shootings and, and what happened with Andy Lopez and everything else that has taken place, the most perfect song I found was Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind. I mean, it's a beautiful song, and it has m- such meaning to it. And also, it's sung by a woman by the name of Cecilia, and I just love it. She does such an excellent job. And this song always reminds me of what a struggle this life can be when you think about all the violent deaths we're seeing and hearing about it almost weekly. I mean, I can't I can't believe I got up this morning and found out that two more people were killed in Miami. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, and to think that we have a government that's refusing to investigate an action that it could, close, could have closed down our government. I mean, can you imagine if that could have happened? I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me. Well, and Leon Andy, he would have been 21 years old and all the people out there who have lost loved ones because of these violent shootings, not only by the police, not only by law enforcement, by, but by citizens, shooting citizens. It makes no sense. I mean, have we forgot how to sit down at the table and talk to each other and work out our differences? You know, if you're disgruntled about your, you know, that's the value of a union. You know, if you're disgruntled, you can talk to your union representative. If you're alone, it can oftentimes can become very, very frustrating. Well, when we return, I will be talking with Susan Lamont, a longtime peace and social justice activist who is currently affiliated with Sonoma County's Green Party, Police Brutality Coalition, and Veterans for Peace. So let's go ahead, play Blowing in the Wind, Ken, and we'll get Susan on the line. Hay una canción de Bob Dylan que me gusta mucho que se llama Blowing in the Wind. How many roads must a man walk down before they will call him a man? Yes, and how many seas must a white Dove sail before it can 
sleep in the sun Yes, and how many times will the cannonballs fly Before they are forever bound The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind just gives me the chills so many people have died and it's continuous it doesn't stop you know blowing in the wind i guess it means it's just it's out there nobody not too many people are doing much about it for you just joining us i want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station its board of directors its members or women's spaces well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And without further ado, joining me on the phone, I want to introduce my guest, uh, Susan Lamont. Welcome, Susan. Welcome once again to Women's Spaces. Thank you for having me, Elaine. I'll say that I, when I was starting in junior high school, I went to Unitarian Universalist summer camp in Maine back in the early 60s, as right as those songs were becoming popular and we would sing where have all the flowers gone or blowing in the wind every night before we went to bed at summer camp wow 
Wow, you went to some summer camp. That's amazing. I did. <laughs> what's, what's so startling about these songs is that they're, they're still, they still have meat. They still are as important today as it was back then when they were first written. That's right. Well, before we start, I would like to tell my listeners just a little bit about you. And, and I want to I wanna do a shout-out to you. You know, Susan Lamont was very, very involved with the Measure P, which was getting some accountability here in our, in our county. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you over the air for all that you've done in this area. Susan, yeah, you too. <laughs> Susan Lamont is a longtime peace and social activist who is currently affiliated with Sonoma County Green Party. Actually, it was the first time I ever voted for anybody that I actually knew so personally on a ballot. Uh, the Police Brutality Coalition and Veterans for Peace. She is also a writer, a poet, and a photographer. I have to say she is an amazing writer. Susan is a, has been a regular guest and actually was my first guest on my television show in 2004. And you know I have produced over 300 shows at the Community Media Center. Today we will be talking about Andy Lopez who in 2013 at the age of 14. Oh, 13. Oh, 13. Oh my goodness. I yeah. 13, that's even worse, was shot and killed and had an enormous impact on the community. Part of that impact was because of the committed and grassroots organization that would not push back until we saw some accountability happen. Now, we are over and over having the same conversation about police brutality and transparency. Amazing, isn't it, Susan? Is there anything you'd like to mm-hmm. add to that? Well, i I'd like to say that this conversation uh, about law enforcement um, overreach, if you will, um, doesn't happen without activists. It, it just simply doesn't happen. Government will not do it, will not touch it from your best supervisor to your worst representative. It doesn't matter. They don't touch it unless there is activism around it. And so... Very it's, important. It's absolutely vital. Very important. Very important. Well, let's talk about young Andy Lopez and what happened and how you got involved. Um, well, he, you know, he was walking across um, what was supposed to be a park but was an empty, weedy lot uh, carrying a um, simulation rifle uh, that he was apparently returning to a friend and... Uh, Toy gun. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It was definitely not the real thing. And you and I have, you know, uh, picked up what is supposed to be the weight of a re- real gun and known that he could not swing his arm the way he was swinging casually, if he'd been carrying the real thing. But our weapons expert um, Eric Galhouse in the Sonoma County um, Sheriff's Office saw him and uh, jumped out of his car and killed him. Basically, without, you know, boom, within a few seconds, and he was dead, and then handcuffed while he was dead. Well, you know, you know, Susan, it's really interesting. You know, the thing that got me the most about the whole situation was is the fact that he was handcuffed when he had already passed. I mean, that to me yeah. was that to me was beyond beyond the pale. Well, tell us, tell us how you got involved. You know, I know I got involved myself personally by meeting his mother, Sujay, and looking oh, at, mm-hmm. look, looking into her eyes. 
And I yeah. never in my life saw such grief. I, 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 at that yeah. moment when I met her and I looked into her eyes, I said, you know, Creator, please do anything you want to me, but do not do this. I mean, I just yeah. I couldn't imagine. So how did you get involved? Well, because I was working at the Peace and Justice Center, uh, clearly this is a, a peace and justice matter um, and a very local one. And it, it literally came to my door. Uh, people were involved. People were marching, uh, initiated by young people, Andy's friends, high school students, um, junior high school students. And uh, so it... it you know, it was it was there. It was in it was in my face. It was one of those things I hadn't paid much attention to um, law enforcement issues up till then because I was concentrating on international peace. And of course, then it struck me: boom! Obviously, these two things are connected. And so I started going to um, the marches, and then we started going to the board of supervisors, and it was. Uh, it was something that you couldn't, you know. Once you got involved, you couldn't put it down. It was, it was, um, it was horrifying. The it, what had happened, and to know that it was happening all over the country so much, and um, it was also inspiring to be with people who cared so much about the issue. Both those who are were not directly affected, and particularly to 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 see the young people who were directly affected. I know um, for my, I know for myself. I mean, we went to meeting after meeting after meeting. We did. I mean, the, the good news was at least they served us dinner. <laughs> they had those sandwiches, if you remember. We had sandwiches at the, at the task force, yes. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And... For me, it brought me out of the closet with activism. I mean, I thought to myself, "Well, you know, I'm getting older. I don't have to. I don't have to hang out. I don't have to do this." But oh, a child, 13 years old. No, 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 yeah. no. This is not this. And you know, parents have to realize when it can happen to one child, it can happen to anybody's child. And that's why yeah. we all have yeah. to stand for it. Well, you know, his birthday, uh, Andy Lopez. This happened in two- 2013, which is eight years ago. Why do you right. think it's important? I mean, that I, I'm I am so impressed that we keep it alive. We keep going to the celebrating the birthday, bringing his name forward. Why do you believe that's important? What is important about that? Well, well, it seems that in order for something to actually happen, for people to become mobilized, um, there has to be some great loss. Doesn't seem to happen without it. So. Um, here is a young boy whose life was was lost, and it in, inspired a great deal of activism and created some change, not enough change, but created some change within Sonoma County. And it's essentially the same as George Floyd. Um, it inspired that his, his uh, murder uh, inspired activism as well. And we have to remember the steps that we're we're building upon so when we got involved in uh 2013 we could remember back to uh the late 1990s and into 2001 exactly this month 20 years ago when the california advisory committee 
uh, to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights issued its report saying Sonoma County needs civilian oversight. So that happened. And when, so we need to remember that that happened and that it was a stepping stone to what then happened in 2013 and the work that followed from that, which was then another stepping stone when George Floyd was killed in the activism resurged last year in Sonoma County. They were building on what we had already built, and it will keep going like that. You have to remember um, who preceded you and the work that preceded you and the and the people, um, I don't want to say who, who made that possible when I'm talking about somebody who's been killed, but the, the, remember who it was that inspired that activism. And so Andy and that inspired that particular activism, just as George Floyd is inspiring current activism. Well, you know, I have so, a saying, what I have a saying is that the death is not in vain. That, you know, if we, if we yeah. really want to go on a, a metaphysical level or a spiritual level or the creator, who knows what, what, what motivates things. But sometimes I feel that it, when it happens and it propels people like that, there becomes a foundation, and then all of a sudden, the big, the biggest thing came was when George Floyd came, and that really just pushed everything. That's when we finally got Measure P. But if you notice, all the mm-hmm. politicals who we were banging on for years, yes. <laughs> all of a sudden, yes. their names are, you know, I mean, and so that's why I said it was very important for me to acknowledge the work that you did because you spearheaded so many things. I know you got me constantly going because I didn't. I wanted to support you as well as the effort, so I really thank you for that <laughs> well let's talk a little bit about the birthday celebration we're coming to the end of this segment uh what yeah. time is it being held and where it's going to be held and any last words you have any uh, website or anything that folks can get a hold of you okay well it's um, going to be this wednesday which is june 2nd which is andy's 21st birthday um it's always amazing to go to these and see you know some of his friends show up and you see them as grown people you know, and you think of what's been lost by him and his family when you see um, his friends. But it's so it's Wednesday, June 2nd. It's at 4 p.m. It is a potluck. It's at Andy's Unity Park, which is at um, Moreland and West Robles. And there's usually I'm I'm not. I'm not an organizer of it. I'm just spread the word. Um, it's uh, Concha Dominguez Galvan who um, is organizing it, a family friend. And there is usually um, some form of service as family. And we're um, devout Catholics, are devout Catholics. So um, they... Uh, There'll probably be some form of service, and then and then it's just a social, usually a social gathering. Um, as I say, it's a potluck. It's good if you can bring something. And the weather's supposed to cool off a little bit, so that would be good. And uh, I hope people can make it. Uh, it's a lovely park. Uh, needs a little maintenance, <laughs> but uh, we hope people can come and... It's something that has happened every single year, and it's good to remember people not just on the day they were killed, because we remember them then too, but um, 
you're really remembering a life when you're celebrating someone's birthday. Well, Susan, so, do you have a website or do you have any way we I can... I don't. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have an email. Why don't you, if, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? They, they, can, they can contact me either on Facebook, you know, Susan Collier Lamont on Facebook, or um, peacenick at sonic.net if they want to contact me through well, Susan Lamont, I want to thank you again for being on Women's Spaces, and thank you so much for holding, helping to hold the light and hold the possibility of accountability and all the other things that we are struggling for. Thank you so right. much. And, th- and thank you for always having me on and making sure that uh, people remember. I yeah. appreciate it, Elaine. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Oh, wow, you know, there's so many wonderful people in our county And Susan Lamont, I have to say, is one of them. And many, many, many other very powerful women. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And it's very important, the song that I'm going to be playing. We're going to be playing We Are Standing on the Shoulders, sung by Earth Mama. We are truly standing on the shoulders of many great women who have had impact and created movements, particularly during the 1970s, which was coined as the second wave of feminism. Our next guest who will be joining us on the phone will be Monique Alakala, is the Chief of Staff at the National Office for the National Organization for Women Now, which is the largest organization of feminist grassroots activism in the United States. So let's go ahead, Ken, let's play Standing on the Show by Earth Mama. I am standing on the shoulders of the ones who came before me. I am stronger for their courage. I am wiser for their words. I am lifted by their I am grateful for their vision, for their toiling on this earth. We are standing on the shoulders of the ones who came before us. They are saints and they are humans. They are angels, they are friends. struggles and the troubles and the challenge when we know that by our efforts things will be better in the end
My shoulders will be there to hold the ones who follow me. I love that song, Standing on the Shoulders by Earth Mama. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. And joining me on the phone for this segment is Monique Alcala. Welcome, Monique. Welcome to Women's Spaces. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm just so excited to finally have somebody on from the National Organization for (laughs) Women. It's just thrilling to me. So I want to give a little background, talk a little bit about you. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Monique Alcala is the Chief of Staff at the National Office for the National Organization for Women, NOW, now the largest organization of feminist grassroots activists in the United States. Prior to joining NOW, she served as the Coalition's Director for the Biden-Harris Campaign in the Commonwealth of Virginia. So you got to meet Kamala Harris? Um, unfortunately, I did not. Uh, she did not come to Virginia for... We were under COVID uh, campaigning, but um, I, I have I have seen her drive through the Commonwealth since. Monique <laughs> <laughs> has been a longtime advocate for diversity in politics and focuses her work in center and uplift diverse in constituencies. Through her career, she has developed extensive experience in strategic outreach, project management, coalition building, including in rural, urban, and sur- suburban areas, political fundraising, and campaign management. Wow, what a resume. Monique mm-hmm. is currently an advisory member of the Virginia People's PAC, an initiative which aims to diversity campaign staff in senior level roles. She is a political partner at Truman National Security Project. Her area of expertise is race, ethnicity, inequality, and political participation. What a resume. Anything you'd like to add? Uh, no, I, I guess on a personal note, uh, during my regular life, I, I'm a runner, I enjoy love music, and I have a 17-year-old daughter who um, who is a senior next year. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. So you're a drummer. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> well, you know, talk. let's talk a little bit how you first got involved in, in activism and, and how you happen to find now. Yep. Um, absolutely. Um, well, you know, I guess. It sort of boils down to, you know, as a woman of color um, or a woman and a woman of color, it's never really been an option for me uh, to not have my identity politicized. You know, I walk into a room, into a meeting, or even attend a regular social gathering, and people will automatically make assumptions about me, uh, you know, my community um, and my education level, my family history, level of expertise, um, or just make broad generalizations about how I got to where I am in my career. And I think, like, just through that lived experience all of my life, um, I've always been activist-oriented. Uh, but, you know, getting to that level of awareness is one thing. And then I think, you know, just getting to engagement is another. And then also choosing to purposefully make this a career is just, like, sort of the final level. Um, but I guess the short answer, you know, what got me to now is that, you know, in my late 20s, I was a bit of a lost soul. <laughs> I think a lot of us are, you know, um, throughout our late 20s or throughout our 20s. And, you know, I found myself, you know, volunteering for local nonprofits, like servicing 
um, communities that were underserved in uh, my hometown of Austin, Texas. Um, and I found that I found that quite fulfilling, but it really just wasn't enough. So um, I had wanted to move, or my daughter and I wanted to move out of state for quite a while. I ended up in Virginia, and you know, I took a job as a research assistant doing work on um, the study of race and ethnicity and inequality. And then I just happened to take a job, a temp job, as a session aide at the General Assembly. And just, it was a, I mean, that, that sort of did it for me. You know, I, I've, um, again, I, was, I really wanted to do more for the community. And um, throughout the, you know, the more than, I guess, oh, gosh, I'm um, aging myself now. <laughs> but um, more than a decade in my career, you know, the lack of representation, lack of women, lack of women of color, lack of people of color in campaigns and um, advocacy really struck me. It was a glaring issue because we know that, um, when when we run campaigns, they, our, 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 our voices really influence how we run campaigns, what they're focused on, and who they're reaching out to. And so um, over this time, my career went through this sort of organic evolution where I didn't just focus on the external advocacy and all of the issues. Um, I also focused on changing the landscape and the environment of the industry. So, like, getting more communities of color, getting more people of color involved in campaigns, and then centering their experiences while I was doing the job. And really, you know, my last job with the Biden-Harris campaign is really perfect. You know, I, I love coalition building. I love the hard work. I mean, it is very, very hard work, as you know, um, in, the, in the work that you've done in, in California. Um, and it, it really was a great combination of lifting up underrepresented communities and then managing a team of individuals who came from those communities who were also really passionate about ensuring that um, underrepresented voices were heard in the election. And this eventually brought me to now um, and then my role as chief of staff. Well, you know what's so interesting about now, you know, before we did the interview and because I looked at your resume, I start doing some research on now. And from the beginning, from its beginnings to what it is today has really changed dramatically. It really Mm -hmm. has because I'm looking at their core issues, which are were just amazing to me. So why don't you talk a little bit about now and the core issues? I mean, Mm -hmm. anything that you'd like to say, a little history and then talk a little bit about the, the core issues. Yeah, and then, and, then, and I want to I want to let you know too. After you do the core issues, um, one of the things I want to talk about is the challenges. And what was so interesting, you sent me an article by Joe Freeman, "The Dark Side mm-hmm. of Sisterhood." I mm-hmm. just found that absolutely fascinating, and I like yeah. I'd like to be able to talk about that. So after we do the core, let's talk about that. Sure. Um, well, now mission and core issues have been um, virtually the same for, you know, I guess the nearly 55 years of history. Um, it's one of the things that really drew me to the organization. I mean, it, 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 really, it is, um, you know, it is iconic. Um, and now's purpose um, is just to, you know, inspire action through intersectional grassroots activism, you know, to promote uh, equality, feminist ideals, and lead on societal change. Um, we want to eliminate discrimination and, you know, do all of these things in, in support of equal rights for, um, for women and girls in particular. Um, our, our mission is sort of driven around these six core issues, as you mentioned. And those, um, just sort of generally speaking, are reproductive rights, economic justice, ending violence against women, racial justice, LGBTQIA rights, and constitutional equality. That is such a big chunk 
I mean, it the is. handle. I mean, it's just amazing. And it's all the things that pe- that women are really involved in that really need to have a stronger voice. And especially mm-hmm. right now with reproductive rights. I mean, I can't believe that it looks like they're on the chopping board more and more and more. And it's just it's just mm-hmm. a mystery to me. It really is. Do, yeah. you, do you find that even now to be very, very frustrating? Oh, totally. You know, I, I feel like, you know, as, as my, you know, or even over the last decade, I mean, I know that we've been fighting these fights for, you know, decades and decades, but uh, it just feels like because we're so interconnected now, because we have the internet, because we have so many different ways of engaging uh, with advocacy, there's just, there's so much coming at us. And there's so, now there, you know, it, even though there are so many different ways to engage in advocacy, there are also different ways to thread. So, yeah, it's it's definitely, um, the landscape has certainly changed. Well, you know, you talk a lot, you know, when I have, I before I do an interview with my guests, I ask them to send me uh, five questions that they think are important. And there's two areas that I really, that really struck me. One is you talked about young feminists and how now is right for them currently. And I think that mm-hmm. kind of brings us into, you know, how can the young feminists join the network of now? And that that's very important. But at the same time, when I read this article by Joe Freeman of the dark side of sisterhood about trashing each other, I thought, mm-hmm. now this is really interesting, you know, and I didn't realize it. I mean, I had my own experience when I went to Sonoma State, you know, being mm-hmm. an outspoken woman, you know, being I was I mean, I was chosen to speak at our graduation. I mean, how much more attention can you get? And I mm-hmm. found a lot of negative stuff coming at me. So when I read mm-hmm. this, in fact, I incorporated it. I, incor- I should send you my speech. I literally incorporated it in my graduation speech about mm-hmm. how people trash because you, you hit a certain level. So talk about how how the young feminists can can actually gain from being part of now and joining the network and also what mm-hmm. you're doing to to help women stop doing this this competitive edge that they seem to have with one another every once in a while yeah um so going back to one of the things that i think is really incredible about now is that you know now and we actually did a couple of town halls in this i think like a month ago or so called now what and so we're, we were talking about building generations of intersectional feminists so, you know, we've, I guess we've been around for 55 years, and uh, what we really wanted to highlight was that, you know, one of the people that I talked to who actually put uh, Joe Freeman's article on, on my radar again, um, you know, because I, I read this in the past, but um, she reminded me of this article. It was, you know, Heather Booth is amazing, you know, uh, feminist activist. She's She was involved in NOW, um, which she told me uh, back in the 70s and did, you know, um, organizing training. And the thing that I think is really great about the organization is that we have so many different generations of feminists within the organization. Literally anybody can get involved and do so um, in a meaningful way. So we have a bunch of task forces, um, uh, young feminist task forces that, that people can get, can get involved with, um, at, and then local and state chapters, and then campus action networks, um, too, that, that, that people can can engage with and do some advocacy within their own localities. Um, but the great thing about, you know, not just having that network is that you also have people like Heather Booth. You have people like Christine out, out in Oregon. You have people like you who I've spoken with, um, you know, and, and people like Anjali um, and Kim Adams, you know, and uh, I can go on and on about this um, this continuous sort of sustained network of of community-centered, solutions-oriented activists within within the organization who all have 
you know, varying experiences of what brought them into the organization um, or why they got involved in now, but we all have like this sort of shared collective goal um, of, you know, fighting for, fighting for our rights. And so um, I think it's really inspiring and really beautiful that we all can come together and like sort of, you know, talk about how we can move forward and, and, and tackle a lot of these issues. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, I'm, as you know, I'm president for the National Organization for Women, the Sonoma County chapter here. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I'm trying to encourage is I'm trying to encourage young women to join, to become part of it, because not only are you part of a local, a local a grassroots community organization, but you're also hooked up to a national organization, which gives you mm-hmm. a lot more clout and a lot more, a, a louder voice, so to speak. And we were, we just did the first interview about a young Andy Lopez and all the activists that went around him. And let me tell you something, we had to be loud. I mean loud. We really had to be in their face to get some accountability and to get things changed. But when you have Mm -hmm. an organization behind you, it gives you a little bit more strength. Would you agree with Mm -hmm. that? Oh, yeah, totally. And just sort of going back to the Joe Freeman article, you know, the thing about uh, the other sort of additional strength that that we have with now is that uh, we are sort of modeled after this, um, you know, to, as a way to inspire democratic participation. And by democratic participation, obviously, I mean, you know, just sort of participating in, in politics and, and campaigns and advocacy. Um, and uh, this is really great in a lot of different ways, um, but it is also a challenge. I mean, the, the, the thing, uh, when we measure, like, the health of democratic institutions, we measure things like robust participation, uh, we, uh, particularly in leadership elections. However, you know, the, the inverse is also true. You know, when we have low participation, generally speaking, the leadership is not always, you know, focused on our collective um, inclusive vision. And so, um, you know, speaking about what, you know, I really love about Joe's um, Joe's article, um, she, this is one of the things that sort of suppresses participation and really, um, it really presents a challenge, not just with now, but with sort of uh, the overall movement. And that's, um, you know, things like gatekeeping or lack of accountability. Um, they're, uh, they're, they're issues that, um, that really prevent us from growing as an organization. And so when, <clears throat> and so what she refers to as trashing in her article, um, she refers to it as like, um, as a sort of discrediting or this sort of character assassination, uh, whenever you have somebody that is like in a leadership position. Um, and so she uh, says, you know, it is, um, to quote her verbatim, it's like, it's occasionally disguised by the rhetoric of honest conflict or covered up by denying that any disapproval exists at all, that it is done to expose disagreements or resolve differences. It is done to disparage and destroy. I think it's really, really powerful because, you know, within the organization, you know, because we, we are structured the way that we are, we are sort of inherently predisposed to, um, to disagreement, to debate, to conflict. Um, and those things are all good. Like we should always embrace, you know, sort of discussion um, and debate because that, that is the way that we know that we are truly innovating and building our movement. Um, but it is particularly problematic whenever, you know, we get to this sort of abusive and toxic behavior. Um, and then, you know, sort of, and, and this isn't, again, you know, just sort of to reiterate, it's not something that's unique to now. I know they hear this within other organizations too. And I think that in order for us to address, we have to tackle like three different things. Um, and these are the things that we have been focusing on within the organization. 
We have to strengthen our operational infrastructure. And um, by doing that, we just have to do leadership development within our team, our internal team at the National Action Center, um, and make sure that our our, um, our departments are doing their job in a very efficient, streamlined way and that they're communicating between departments um, uh, efficiently so that they are better, uh, they are able to be better responsive to the things that our grassroots are doing across the country. But in addition to that, and this is how I think what is amazing you know, with the organization is that um, there are so many different ways to get involved. And so we just need to keep answering the question of, you know, not just how do I get involved with now, but why do I need to get involved with now? And so we're doing that by expanding programming and so making sure that people have things to do and things that are, you know, edifying to the soul, you know, sort of um, developing out their, their leadership skills or sort of knowledge base um, so that they can do things and be empowered on the ground. And so we're, you know, we're at the national office. We're not here to tell you, you know, how what, how to do advocacy in your state and local community. We're here to complement programming that you're doing on the ground. And so um, that is going to be helpful in a couple of different ways. One, you know, a lot of people are doing this as a volunteer on a volunteer basis. You know, some of them have paid positions, um, you know, in now, but for the most part, it's in the volunteer capacity. We recognize that, um, and we appreciate, you know, the time that people put into building organization, but uh, now as the, as the national office, we have the resources to help um, expand your operation and help, uh, you know, help you scale up the things that you're doing um, on the ground. So if you're not able to, for example, hold a meeting or, you know, do programming or develop your own programming, you can always say, these are all the things that are happening within the national organization. You can attend those. Um, but also, like, sort of to address, like, the issue of trashing, we do have to have, you know, accountability. And accountability comes through conducting, you know, really good internal governance um, or having good internal governance. Um, so that can come from a bylaw change, you know, to ensuring that we are um, holding those who engage in this type of behavior are held accountable. Um, and then, you know, accountability is one thing, but it also requires us to enforce um, accountability. Well, I'm going to so, I'm going to come in here a little bit. I'm going to come in here a sure. little bit and remind people that we do have a national organization, uh, the now or national organization for women. We do have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a chapter here in Sonoma County. Actually, we're one of the one of the only chapters of north of San Francisco, and so we meet. Uh, we're going to have a Zoom. We meet on the third Thursday of the month uh, on, via Zoom right now at six thirty, and you can go on www.womenspaces and find out all that information well you know unique when we're in the when we're in the studio here time goes by very very quickly so Mm -hmm. i'd like we have about two minutes left so i'd like you to have some last words and give us our website and i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on and for all the support that you're giving our chapter here in sonoma county yeah yeah absolutely um so i'll tie this all together by saying you know um, engage in your chapter. Visit now.org. You can find all of the information of our different state and local chapters um, and find a way to engage in a meaningful way. You know, not everybody finds advocacy um, or engages in advocacy in the same way. So uh, so that is one thing. Uh, and again, that, that website is now.org. Uh, but I would also, you know, sort of make an appeal to folks that have been involved in the organization for a long time to, um, to do some mentorship. It takes a lot um, of time and energy uh, to to build this pipeline of leaders that we have been building for over 50, for nearly fifty five years. So, um, like I said, just 
uh, visit our website, join a chapter, get involved, um, and um, and also do what you can in order to help build the pipeline of leadership. How about if they want to get a hold of you? Oh, um, my 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 email is um, it's really easy. It's just cos like chief of staff at now well, Monique, I want to thank you so much for being on Women's Spaces. It's been really an, an enlightening interview. And to remind all our listeners that all the information that uh, Monique gave will be on Women's Spaces at www.womenspaces.com. Thank you so much, Monique, and much, much success in your new position. Thank you, Elaine. I appreciate it. Well, that's it for our show, folks. Special thank you to Monique Alcala, Chief of Staff at the National Organization for Women Now, and for to Susan Lamont, who's a longtime peace and social activist who is currently affiliated with Sonoma County Green Party, Police Brutality Coalition, and Veterans for Peace. A reminder that I am president of the National Organization for Women. You can find out all our information on going to www.nowsonoma.org and our our meeting times and all this. And remember, our children are the future and we must never lose sight of that. This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you the next time. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, May 31st, 2021.